This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon, this is Marshall Davis. The most frequent inquiry I receive from listeners is various forms of the question, how do I wake up? I just got another one just the other day. I replied to each inquiry individually, but I thought it would be good to do an episode addressing this topic again. I actually recorded an episode on the subject a couple of years ago, but it's always good to come at it afresh. I'm not going to look back to what I said then. Maybe this is similar to that, and maybe not. I don't know, and it really doesn't matter. The first thing I want to say is that there are various ways to ask this question based on one's religious tradition or lack of it. The term waking up reflects the popular non-dual approach, but it also harkens back to the Buddha, whose title means the awakened one. Some people use terms like enlightened or enlightenment or liberation. Jesus did not use the term awakening, although he did tell some stories about sleeping people who woke up. Neither did the early Christians use the term awakening. Christians tend to use the term union with God, and God, when used in this sense, is seen to be bigger than traditional theism, more like Meister Eckhart's term, God beyond God. Jesus used the term kingdom of God, which as his follower, I also use. I also use the phrase unitive awareness. Jesus also talked about being born of the spirit, born from above, born anew, or born again. Of course, when evangelicals use that term born again, they mean something completely different than what Jesus meant by it, or how I am using it. Evangelicals use the term born again to refer to a decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which is understood to guarantee a personal existence in heaven after death. Jesus never used the phrase in that way. Jesus used the phrase in the sense of seeing the kingdom of God, and entering the kingdom of God. Jesus also used the term eternal life. A man came to Jesus and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That man was asking the same question as how do I wake up? It doesn't matter what religious terminology we use or what spiritual tradition we come from. The reality that all these terms point to is the same. And the question is the same. How? How do I realize this? How do I get there? How do I facilitate this? How do I wake up? When someone asks me this question, I always start off saying that there is nothing you can do to wake up. Anything you do is work, and waking up is grace. Whatever you are now doing to wake up, stop doing it. 
at least stop doing it for the purpose of trying to wake up. You can continue to do it otherwise. You can continue your spiritual disciplines and practices if you want, but they can't accomplish awakening. Awakening is not a goal that is reached by doing certain things in the right way. The reality is, is that what you're looking for is already here. You are already what you're hoping to become. You already are what you are seeking. Seeking itself assumes a distance, assumes there's something different than you that you need to reach somehow or achieve or you have to get to or some state you have to attain. There isn't. That's the point of Jesus' story about the prodigal son and his brother. The brother's story is often left out. The prodigal thought he had some had to go somewhere. So he went to a far country. Only later did he realize that what he was looking for had always been at home. The older brother, on the other hand, stayed home. But he did not realize that everything he ever wanted was right there. The father tells him in the story, everything that is mine is yours. But the son could not see that. What you are looking for is here now. It cannot be lost. That was the father's message to both sons. Both sons in their own way were blind to this reality. So you ask, how do I wake up? Nicodemus asked Jesus that question in another way. Jesus told him he had to be born again, and Jesus replied, how? How can a man be born when he is old? It's the same question using a different metaphor. So let me ask you, what does an infant in the womb have to do to be born? Nothing. The mother does all the labor. The same with spiritual birth. The divine mother or divine father, as is the term that Jesus used, does all the work. From our perspective, we simply travel through the birth canal. Jesus called it the straight gate. Straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, not the other type of straight, meaning in a, in a straight line. But straight like in straight jacket, meaning very confining. He called this the narrow way that leads to life. You could call it the spiritual birth canal. Birth through this straight gate and narrow way can seem painful. But there's nothing we can do about that. And when we are born anew... We wake up to a new world of light and spaciousness. So there's nothing that you can do to be born of the Spirit. Yet Jesus told people to do some things anyway. Because he knew what was in us, the Bible says. He knew we feel like we have to do something, even when we know nothing can be done. A wealthy man came to Jesus and asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life. That's another form of the same question. Think about that metaphor for a moment. What does a person need to do to inherit something in this world? Nothing. It's entirely up to the one from whom you inherit. It's all a matter of one's relationship to that deceased or whatever and whether they put you in the will or not. Jesus told the rich man 
to obey all the commandments. He figured that would keep him busy. But the man said he'd been doing that all his life and it had not worked. In other words, he considered himself to be a really good spiritual person. He had followed all the rules. So Jesus told him to do one more thing. He told him to sell everything that he had, give the proceeds to the poor, and come follow him, be his disciple. And that was the one thing that this man could not do, so he walked away. Why couldn't he do it? Because his identity was wrapped up in what he owned, in being a wealthy person. And for him to give up his possessions was felt like death to him. It was to die that he could not do. Now, your identity may be wrapped up in something else that you cannot give up. In other words, if you want to wake up, you need to give up whatever that is. Give up who you are or what you think you are, your sense of identity, your own self, which is not really much of a sacrifice, you find out later on, because it's not real anyway. It just feels real. Giving up the self is what Jesus meant when he told his followers to deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow him. He was talking about dying to self. And that is the one thing that we, as the self, cannot do. The self cannot die to self. It cannot give itself up. Because then the self would be the one doing the giving up, thereby entrenching itself even more in self-delusion, disguised as self-sacrifice. That's the trap of much of spirituality, where the self becomes a very spiritual self, an unselfish self, or worst of all, an awakened self. That is self-righteousness. That is egotism and hypocrisy. And Jesus had his harshest words for that. It's just a deeper self-deception. The only, the only way to wake up is non-action, non-doing. The Tao Te Ching calls it Wu Wei. Doing without doing. Non-doing by a non-self. That's the non-way, which is the way of the cross. So, what do you do to wake up? I tell people just to keep doing what they're doing, but do it lightly without attachment to it. If you're doing spiritual practices, go ahead. Keep doing them if you want. But do them without expectation, without attachment to any results, one way or the other. That is the central lesson of the Bhagavad Gita. Both Christ and Buddha, Buddha gave their followers something to do while they were waiting. Jesus put it forth in his Sermon on the Mount. Put it, G, Buddha put it forth in his Deer Park Sermon. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was about a way of life that went beyond their laws and the traditions of the religion of his day. He talks about paying attention to intent. He talks about speech and conduct. And Buddha was saying the same type of thing about the religion of his day. 
he called it right intention and right speech and right conduct and so forth. This is his eightfold path, which was was a way of spiritual and moral life. So, how do you wake up? The same way you wake up every morning from sleep. How are you born again? The same way you were physically born as an infant. That's how you wake up. The important thing to realize is that nothing really, essentially, changes. The infant is an infant before she was born and after. Nothing has changed except they shift in location from inside to outside the womb. When you wake up in the morning, what has changed? Nothing has changed except your eyes are open. Your physical eyes are open. It, it's a, a shift in consciousness. It's a shift in perspective from inner to outer. After you wake up spiritually, you realize that this awareness has been here all along. Nothing has changed. Just like that Zen saying about mountains and rivers. I have a friend in the Netherlands named Paul Jordans who describes it as falling awake and in his and his wife Debbie Parkin's soon-to-be-published book entitled Tales and Paintings from Oneness. Falling awake is a wonderful metaphor. It compares waking up spiritually to falling asleep physically. What can we do to fall asleep at night? Well, you could do some things, I guess, like not drink caffeine in the evening and have a, a darkened bedroom and have it be quiet and have a certain bedtime routine. But none of those things cause you to fall asleep. They simply remove obstacles to sleep. And it's the same with waking up. There are some things that you can do which Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount and Buddha talks about in his Deer Park Sermon. But these practices do not cause the waking up. They simply remove obstacles to waking up. People seek to wake up thinking that somehow, somehow when that happens, it will be different than right here, right now. But it's not. It's the same as right here, right now. It's brilliantly ordinary. That is what makes it extraordinary. And that's what makes it so hard for people to see. It's right here, right now. And to see it, all, it's just a matter of being here now, as Ram Das always said. Me telling you how to wake up is like a person telling another person how to breathe. You know, whether you learn breathing techniques or not, you're going to keep on breathing anyway. You're always breathing as long as you are alive. Just breathe. How do you wake up? Wake up. You are awake. So be awake. Wakefulness is what you are. So be who and what you really are. That's how you wake up. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com 
You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ. Thank you.